very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. That tragedy that unfolded in Menlo Pier on Saturday morning. We're looking at that on today's programme. Also, we're looking at concerns by raised by international students about the closure of the International House in Galway. We're looking and speaking with the Minister for Disability about the lack of accessible tickets being allocated for the Ireland versus France game last Saturday in the Aviva. On today's programme also, we've got a lovely giveaway to celebrate Valentine's Day tomorrow. Give you a chance to win and we'll give you the love story that you have to tell us uh, very shortly. We're looking at epilepsy and much more between now and 12 midday. Just don't go anywhere else. Leave the wireless on. Listen to us online. Stay with us right through until 12 midday. Good morning. And a very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. The... I suppose really and truly when you get a message uh, in the middle of the night to say that there's been an incident, you kind of hope that it works out okay for people, be it, be it a, um, a car accident and or otherwise. It didn't in this regards, but tributes have been paid following the death of three teenagers in a drowning tragedy at Menlo Pier at uh, the weekend. We do know indeed at this stage a 16-year-old uh, John Keenan and 17-year-old Wojek Panic uh, died when their vehicle plunged into the River Corrib at Menlo Pier shortly after 2.30am on Saturday morning. And again, it was just a tragedy of tragedies then that unfolded from there. Uh, Christopher Stokes, who's 19 and a cousin of John Keenan, uh, was brought to University Hospital Galway where they worked on him right through. And unfortunately, he lost his fight for life as well. Um, let me go to two people indeed who join me on the line. I'm going to go to Councillor Frank Fahey first and I'm going to Martin Mongan then who joins me from the Olympic Boxing Club as well. Uh, Frank, um, I know the area very well. We, we have a mutual friend in the area but I, I don't recall a tragedy like this uh, ever happening morning, in, in Menlo before like this. Good morning, Keith, and good morning to your listeners. And I want to, on my own behalf and on behalf of the community in Minlo, express our deepest sympathy to the families of John Keenan, Christopher Stokes and Whitecheck Panic on their terrible and tragic loss at the weekend in Minlo. What do we um, mean, We're yeah. devastated that something like this would happen in what is a very quiet, quiet area. It's a rural part of the city. It's very rural. People come down to the pier to socialise and visit their loved ones in the graveyard on the pier. And um, it's sort of, you know, there's a very shallow water. There isn't a great depth in it where where they, the, the car entered the water. And it's unbelievable that an accident like this could happen and somebody, we could lose three young men. Now, the bravery of the emergency services and the Gardaí and the fire brigade uh, when they arrived, they worked tirelessly indeed. The Gardaí were first and some very brave yes, members of the force. I want to compliment uh, the Gardaí um, and, and the fire brigade and the, the ambulance services for their time and effort. And, you know, the Gardaí actually went into the water themselves in their uniforms and, you know, attached ropes to the car and had a jeep there and tried to tow, pull the car out. And um, they, you know, they endangered their own lives in the darkness at three o'clock in the morning, as you can appreciate, water is cold at any time of the year, but this time of the year is particularly cold. And, you know, the, the where it is, there's about two foot of water and there's about two foot of silt and mud at the bottom. And so it would have been very difficult to actually work there in that, the, you know, you're getting stuck in the mud under the water. And, yeah. you know, they, 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 you know, they put in um, a Trojan effort um, to actually 
try and rescue those young men from the car and the car was upside down so it made it that much more difficult to actually you know access it as well to open the doors it certainly did i mean i do believe that uh, young mr wojcik panic is um, not from galway but um, been educated here in galway and again, it's a tragedy for his family. We believe in Limerick is where he's based. Um, stay with me, Frank, if you don't mind for a second. I want to go to um, Martin Mongol, who joins me from the Olympic Boxing Club because uh, John and indeed Christopher were two stars of that club and an inspiration to all the young people as well. And uh, Martin, good morning to you. A difficult weekend for you. Yeah, Keith. Um, the difficult weekend, uh, um, the emotions... Of uh, throughout the whole weekend, like it's uh, indescribable. You know, it's it, it's just it's just raw. Trying to come to terms, um, what's been going on, and, and I uh, reiterate what uh, Frank has said: uh, uh, our condolences and goes to the three boys' families. Like we we knew the two boys personally, and uh, we knew them well. Like they, these these two boys came came to us uh, when they were little kids, and and uh, we we seen them around the area growing up, and just. Just to to lose her life in tragic circumstances and so early on, oh, it's, it's sad, you know. And they had a promising career when it came to boxing, and uh, you couldn't speak highly enough of the two young men, of their talents, of the time that they gave, of their inspiration to young people. Uh, yeah. they, they were yeah, really on the yeah. cusp of some great stuff. Yeah, look, the, the, um, just just even going on their character, like they're they're, they're fantastic young men and. And uh, like everybody that comes through our doors, like uh, we're just one big family. Like we we look after the, one another, and they, even the young boys and girls coming in, like uh, the, these two, these two boys, they helped helped all the, all these uh, younger members and and uh, and their friends and their cousins and the and, and the wider community. You know, I, I can't sing the phrases uh, enough. You know, um, the, the character of these these two young men, like you know, the seconds alone and. John Keenan always, always very, very helpful, and always, always smiling and, and laughing, and never let anything get, get him down. And Christopher Stokes, uh, likewise, like, you know, they're, they're, they're both of those lads' families, like they're, they're steeped in Olympic boxing club, and you know, it's it, it's sad. Mm. You went to visit the family members yesterday evening. Again, heartbreaking. I, when the, the, the last weekend. Um, our emotions was, uh, was everywhere. We we go to the the Connacht the schoolboy championships and and then for the, for the visit these families then uh, yesterday evening heartbreaking heartbreaking stuff like you know, they, they let the uh, tributes to memorials and then they, they, they let off uh, balloons and uh, things like that. But it, it, it break your heart, yeah, Keith, and and uh, we're, we're still coming to terms. And the families that are left behind will be living with this for the rest of their lives, unfortunately. Both families, uh, is, three is families, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, three families, and the, um, uh, why check? Uh, I don't know the uh, the lad, but I know from personal terms uh, for John and Christopher to come from uh, big families and and uh, big big relations, and you know, they, they, it'll be hard to come to terms. And there's all small kids around, and they probably don't even know what's uh, what's going on at the minute, but. That's that's neither here nor there anyway, but like, it's just devastating for the uh, for the three families. Yeah. Well, may they rest in peace, and may those indeed that assisted them, and the emergency service and the guardian in question there that uh, Frank uh, portrayed in the fire brigade and all of the other emergency service, the ambulance personnel, and otherwise, 
Uh, may they just rest in peace because it's a difficult, difficult day for the families involved. Uh, Martin, thanks for joining us from Olympic Boxing Club. Frank, just going back to you again. I mean, it's, uh, as I said, we know the area fairly well, but there is an ongoing investigation, so anybody with information uh, should make contact with Galway Guard, the station on this. There is, yes. um, The the guards uh, want to interview, uh, there was another car on the pier and there was two um, women in that car and the guard that you're looking for those women to, you know, in, to interview them and to see what they, they've seen in relation to it. Well, I'll have to say, Keith, in the last few days, um, in relation to John Keane and Christopher Stokes, I've heard nothing but good stories about them, about them. And, you know, there, there, there'll be a massive loss to the Olympic Boxing Club. And as we all know, there's a, a big and a great tradition of boxing in the traveling community. And, you know, and John Keane in particular, he, he, he had, um, one, you know, championships in the very recent past, and um, you know he they were very well liked and in the community, and were very well respected. And you know, by, by all, from all I've heard, there were two fantastic young men. Mm. And as you know, Keith, I lost a brother and myself in a drowning accident forty years ago. Yeah, never leaves you. And I, I, my deepest sympathy to to those families on their loss. It's something they will never come to terms with. And, and the, the next couple no. of weeks will be very, very difficult for them. And I would ask the community and, you know, in, in the in general area in the Hedford Road um, to do what they can to help and support uh, those families and the, the wider community to come on board and, and to support them as best we can. Yeah, and, and, the, and, the, and the two girls in the other car who uh, raised the alarm, God bless them, without them. Yes. This, this could have been a totally different thing on, on Sunday morning or Saturday morning when yeah. somebody went down yeah. for a walk. Uh, but they raised the alarm, so they're traumatised. God love them forever. It's, 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 it's uh, you know, to witness something like that is sort of, you know, very difficult to come to terms with as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they, they, you know, on the pier, they, you know, it's quite a broad pier. You can see a room there. Um, you know, from, I, I've been down the pier yesterday and, I was, and the day before, and you know, the um, it seems to be just a tragic accident. No evidence that you know there was anything that anything happened that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. These, into, into these, things, these things happen. Uh, even after forty years, of you losing your brother in a in a drowning accident like that, you can sense the yes. raw emotion in your own voice when you when you refer back to that forty years ago. So you know. You know what the families are going through. Yes, Keith. I think I've lost Frank there altogether. Um, yeah, Keith, yeah. But you're, you're correct there. It never leaves you. And you know, anybody that suffers a loss in an accident, in something like that, road traffic accident or a drowning, it's especially when you have youth involved, you know, yeah. that huge loss that can never be replaced, you know, going forward. All right, Councillor Frank Fahey and local um, in the Menlo area and uh, indeed has experienced loss himself and you can tell the emotion there as well. Uh, may they rest in peace and again for uh, the Stokes family and indeed for the Keenan family and they're related, but also indeed uh, to uh, Wojciech Panic, who I do believe was was doing some kind of a course in Galway or a, an apprenticeship in Galway 
uh, our thoughts are with his family as well. And I do believe that he may be Limerick-based, uh, but now staying in Galway as well. But may he rest in peace. May they all rest in peace, actually, today. We're back just after these. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Hey, very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. Now, the comment lines, if you want to get through to us uh, today, and if you've got an opinion, get in touch with Galway BFM on 086 38 33 brought to you by Rationale Scandinavian Windows, creating bespoke, modern and energy-efficient alu-clad windows and uh, doors for Galway. So there you go. 086 38 We're working... Somebody kept sending me in videos over the weekend. Um in relation to an event that took place in the Clayton Hotel. Nothing to do with them, by the way. And the Tumbling Paddies, a wonderful Irish band, were playing in the Clayton Hotel on Saturday night, and there was an incident. And I just, to be honest, will you stop sending me the video if you don't mind? Because I'm getting it to my own phone, and we're getting it to the, the work phone here as well. We're working on it to see if we do something on that as to what happened. And the Clayton Hotel were impeccable, staff were impeccable, but I don't know what happened. And I did watch the video. And it's kind of shocking, so it is. Now, let me go to the Minister for Disability because she's reacting to a lack of accessible tickets being allocated for the Ireland versus France uh, game, that Six Nations game, uh, despite the demand for them. And it was quite quite stark, wonderful match uh, to sit and watch. I recorded it and watched it yesterday. Uh, but a wonderful match. But you could see that in the disability area, there were blank seats. Anyway, Minister, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith, and thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Again, I mean, Jack Kavanagh has tweeted about this again this morning. He used a wheelchair and he said he was frustrated to see images of multiple empty spaces in the accessible section of the stadium. And he said um, he wants answers. Yeah, and for anybody who doesn't know Jack Kavanagh, Jack is a member of the NDA, the National Disability Authority, recently reappointed for his second term. Um, he is a wheelchair user and he's also a motivational speaker and he's just about 30 years of age. And, and Jack doesn't tweet lightly, okay, by any manner or means, but Jack tweeted with a photo that clearly showed um, the lack of wheelchair users in the designated spaces. The pitch was, I suppose, or the grounds were three quarters full and still down on ringside, as I would call it, our, our, our curbside, there was another space on the north side of the stand that was completely vacant as well. And like Jack tweets for the purpose of A, highlighting and B, expressing his frustration and C, actually, he wants to be part of the solution. If something went wrong or if there is... Um, and, and to be fair to Irish Rugby, they did respond and they said, actually, we sold all our tickets that were for wheelchair people, but they just didn't uh, um, show up. But it was a bad image to send out on such a fantastic day, Keith, to be quite honest it with was, you. Yeah. It was a bad image as well when we saw able-bodied people with chairs pulled out from the, the seating area in behind in on the second story, brought out sitting where we should have um, people with mobility issues sitting in those designated spaces. Just that? the wrong Im image for, for including and um, for all people to be able to participate at the Aviva. You, you took the words out of it. It's all about inclusion. It's not about exclusion. And we're not accusing anybody of excluding anybody here. Uh, but there was, and I mean, even along pitch side where normally uh, children in wheelchairs, they were left empty as well. And that was the one that you could say maybe people, do you know what I mean, just didn't show up in a particular zone, but the pitch side ones as well um, were left vacant as well, Keith. So it just gave the wrong impression 
uh, of inclusion, um, which isn't really the story about Irish rugby. Let me be very fair. No, it's from not. an organisation, from a grassroots up, they're a fantastic organisation. But on a big day um, where we're showcasing the best of sport, um, everybody needs to feel they're part of that winning team. And certainly people with disabilities um, felt very invisible on Saturday. And felt, as you said, he doesn't tweet, Jack doesn't tweet very often, but he felt the need to tweet because he was cheesed, really and truly cheesed off with what, what unfolded there. And again, and what if, he if also got as well, Keith, as well on his tweet was a lot, a lot of people participated in his commentary and said, actually, we tried to get tickets. We, we wanted to go. We got no response. So he wasn't a single voice in this conversation, Keith. Um, there was an awful lot of other people participating who had actually tried to go to the match as well. I think it might be a little bit disingenuous of whoever said that the tickets were sold and they didn't show up. I don't think you would have that amount of no shows. I mean, it was a fine day. It, I mean, there was plenty of facilities there. I, I think it's a bit disingenuous of, of whoever made that statement uh, that they just didn't show up. That's, I think it's wrong. Um, I suppose, Keith, the way they looked at it was, actually, do you know what? We'll calm it down. We've given you an answer. Accept the answer. But like what you were saying, you and I live in the real world, as does everybody else. And you'd understand if two or three didn't show up, yeah. but, but it was a, a complete area, two areas that we were able to see that were not occupied um, by people that need accessible seating. And other than that, I mean, it was a great game. It was a super, super game. And great to see our president and such great form as he greeted all of them before the game and that but then that gaping that gaping space that wasn't occupied even from an international point of view you know people all over the world saying what the hell was that about absolutely but i think also what you're going to see more of this summer keith is actually more of calling it out um, at all organisations so it's not just a little bit of Irish rugby here like I think all organisations have a real um, role to play in ensuring that young people are not so young people um, that have various uh, mobility issues or disability issues are included uh, at their venues and that they go out of their way to ensure that there's no spaces left because people want to participate um, people, we've gone into that the we're resetting the dial on inclusion and um, we expect it for our disabled community. And they expect to be treated accordingly, by the way, and with the same as able-bodied people. Absolutely. Absolutely, Keith. It's like Jack's tweet holds, like these people weren't looking for the tickets for nothing. They were quite happy to pay for their tickets. But that's why I say if, like, if, if the tickets were sold out, somebody paid for them. And then for not to show up, I find that very difficult. So maybe they'll come back to you with a clarification or somebody with a clarification and uh, let us know really what happened. And if there was a mistake made and they weren't sold or they were blocked out for some other reason, uh, put the hands up now and say, say just that. Absolutely. And you know what? There's a man there, the likes of Jack, who wants to be part of the solution. We don't want this to happen again, Keith, because it's not a good image. Um, so in actual fact, let us all work together to ensure it doesn't happen again. And, and let's take the learning, as you say, put up the hand. Let's take the learning um, so as it doesn't happen again. Because I certainly don't want to be tweeting on a really good day the negative by any manner or means, Keith, nor does Jack. I want to be here to help. And I want to ensure that anybody who wishes to go to get such games, whether it be the mini rugby on a local small pitch or whatever like that, right to the national um, stadium, let's ensure that we have kind of inclusion at all levels.
And that's the basic human right that we're talking about, Suryan. So let's uh, let's keep, let's keep. Well, that see, going, the thing yeah. is, there's no point in talking UNCRPD and putting flashy words into legislation unless we practice it on a daily basis, Keith. Okay, perfect. All right, Minister, thank you for joining us uh, today. Thank and you. Uh, I know there was an incident, by the way, in your uh, constituency that we're looking for. There was an alleged shooting. You didn't hear anything about that in the Athenry area, did you? I, 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 I heard talk of it, but I have no further details on it, Keith. And hopefully we'll get to the bottom of that as well. And just before I come off air, can I pass my sympathies to the families of the, the three young victims who lost their life at the weekend, Keith? Um, I think we're all shocked and stunned by it. And um, I'm thinking of them all. Absolutely, absolutely. Minister Anne Rabbit, thank you for joining us uh, today on the uh, programme. Now, the comment lines are all open today and if you want to get in contact with us, 086 38 33 55 3. If you want to get in contact with us now, though, we're in the humour to give you something and for you to win and for you to experience that little bit of love. But who means the world to you? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your life partner, your best buddy that you work beside or that you sit beside, your dad. Uh, who is that person, that person that you'd like us to mark Valentine's Day with uh, this year by giving that someone important in your life a token that you regard as uh, love? Just say, look at here, honey bunch, there you go. A nice bunch of flowers from Mylands Garden Centre, which will be delivered. Uh, throughout today, though, we're going to be giving away beautiful bouquets of flowers and a menswear voucher as well. But if you'd like to enter the draw, draw what you have to do is uh, to enter uh, on text or WhatsApp uh, the word love and your name and the name of the person that means the world to you and why they mean the world's world to you. So why, why do they mean the world to you? Is it that they go above and beyond? Is it that they're always nice or they bring in the fuel or they, they're there when you need them. What, what is it? Uh, and why is it that they mean the world to you? So what you have to do, quite simply, is text the word love, your name, the name of the person and why they mean the world to you. And what you do is you do that and you text it straight away or WhatsApp it to 86 and we'll have one winner per show today giving you a chance to win. And you'll be getting yourself an absolutely beautiful uh, bouquet of flowers from Mylands Garden Centre uh, valued at €75 Euros, so they're up for grabs uh, today and quite simply all you have to do is tell us why 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 and who 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 and do so straight away please 086 and also you're still even if you don't win today you're still in with the chance uh, to win that one night B&B in Moycarn Lodge and Marina in Ballinasloe as part of this wonderful giveaway as well so there you go now, let me change tack altogether and let me go to a totally different subject because you may remember that uh, we spoke last week about the closure of the International House School here in Galway. I'm joined by Laura Harmon, who's the ICOS Executive Director. And um, ICOS stands for the Irish Council for International Students. And for many years, we know that students have come into this country and then all of a sudden something happens and they're on their own. So the Irish Council for International Students um, is there to support them and uh, Laura joins me on the line, the Executive Director, saying, uh, Laura, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us uh, today. You're there to support the students, but talk to me about the International House Galway. What happened here? Do we know or can we even talk about it? So the International House Galway, it's an English language school and it closed um, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it went into liquidation, so essentially... Um, we don't know exactly what happened, but it obviously, you know, ran out of money um, and it closed quite suddenly. And it had been adv advertising courses up to two weeks before it closed, which is quite worrying. So there were 
hundreds of students that were affected by this closure. So students that had, you know, paid for their fees, um, and students who had, you know, expected to start their courses who are now um, being assigned courses elsewhere in other colleges um, as a result. But we've been contacted by many students, you know, from Spain, from Turkey, um, for example, who um, have paid money and because they didn't have the correct insurance, uh, learner protection insurance it's called, um, they weren't aware that they had to have this because they were European students, um, they, they're now out of pocket so they're trying to get their money back um, so essentially look, this is bad for Ireland's reputation as a, a learner destination, um, you know amongst other things we already have the accommodation issue um, as well and we've seen the impacts of that on students and international students um, but I suppose questions do need to be asked. How can a school be selling courses and then two weeks later completely close, um, you know, with no contact to, to many of the students whatsoever? Can, can I ask um, you, though... And where, where is the oversight? Can I ask you, though, on this one, Laura, I mean, um, were, when you say, go back to and talk to me about the insurance aspect, should they have been informed by International House Ireland that you need to have this insurance? Uh, or how would, this, yeah, how would the foreign students know that they had to have this insurance that would keep them covered? Yeah, they should have been informed, and I think the onus is on the schools to to inform students that they need to have this particular insurance. And a lot of the students that contacted us are telling us that they weren't aware of this. Yeah. They didn't know what type of insurance that they needed. Um, so look, it is an information gap as well. Um, and certainly no student, I suppose, expects to pay for a course and then for it to not exist and for the college to shut down. But unfortunately, this, this has happened, and it has happened a number of years ago. We would have seen around 2015 That's right. uh, many international schools closed across the country, which had a huge impact on students. So thankfully, we're not seeing a ripple effect at the minute. Like It just seems to be one isolated but very prestigious school that has closed uh, in Galway. Uh, and lots of students now are just been left high and dry um, and they're contacting us every day looking for answers and we can only give them advice um, as to what to do and that is to contact um, you know the school obviously and they're not getting replies and it's to get in touch with uh, MEI which is Marketing English in Ireland and they've also been trying to assist students and um, we've been in contact with them as well uh, and we've been also been in contact with insurance provider uh, in relation to this matter so it's an issue that we're we're monitoring um, but at the end of the day what needs to happen is the government needs to take more action to protect learners that come to this country particularly English language students who are often in very precarious situations yeah. and they need to introduce what's called the international education mark um, we've been waiting for this for a number of years and essentially it's like a quality stamp that colleges will have to apply for and us in ICAS we're also calling um for financial viability checks. So if a school wants to open in Ireland, you know, to sell English language courses, they should be inspected as to, you know, if they're financially viable. Uh, and this should be an ongoing thing. They have it in other countries, um, in Australia, for example, um, where they have to submit their accounts every couple of years just to show, okay, they're still financially viable. They have good governance structures in place. Um, because I think there is a governance question here. How can a school close at such short notice? And that's something that I think we can learn from. Um, but there is a lot of action that the government need to take, uh, you know, in relation to this. Nora, can I just ask you roughly what would the fees be and how long would the tenure be in this country to for those students? Is it a six months, 12 months? What are the fees like roughly now? I'm not looking for 
scientific evidence. Yeah, I mean, it can it can depend entirely on what the course is. They could be short term courses, or they could be, you know, courses for the duration of a year. Um, we could be talking a couple of hundred euros to a couple of thousand euros. So again, it depends on on the type of course um, in question. Is that plus um, accommodation but, you know, then, and is the accommodation provided then by a different person than the school? Yeah, generally, yes. And they'll have to source their own accommodation. And of course, that's another um, challenge in itself. Um, and we've seen many students being scammed. You know, we saw that yeah. last last September in terms of accommodation. Um, and in terms of that, you know, the high cost of accommodation and the availability is certainly something that's affecting everyone in Ireland at the minute. And it's, it's certainly affecting international students as well. So again, these students are going to be looking at places like the UK, um, thinking, should we just go there instead? And already we've heard from some students that they are going to go to London and now to pursue their studies, they're not going to continue with them in Ireland because this has happened to them. So it affects our reputation abroad. And we already had, you know, last year we saw the French embassy put out a warning to their citizens about coming to Ireland because of the accommodation issue that we're facing here. Yeah, so yeah. there's a knock-on impact um, from all angles, really, um, you know, in relation to these students and students in general. Can I ask you just in relation to, um, is there absolutely no governance when it comes to setting up an educational institution like the International House Galway? Well, there is, and there's, there's you know, accredited, they have to be accredited, okay. um, uh, you know, under the QQI, and um, they will have boards of management as well in place um, but clearly there is there is a lack of oversight there uh, in our view there's a lack of monitoring um, for the sector um, and it does need to be tightened up and needs to be uh, improved and there needs to be no more oversight okay. um, of these schools We won't solve it today uh, Laura, I know you have some very strong members and, and good members here in Galway um, and I'm sure they would love to help but I mean if if the students in question have lost a couple of thousand euro, it's very hard um, for international students to go back to their parents and explain to them, uh, well, I don't, I'm not being tutored anymore because the school is closed and we've lost our money. Absolutely. And, you know, as I say, they can contact us in ICAS at internationalstudents.ie and we'd be happy to talk to any students that are affected, you know, and give them advice on what actions that they can take in terms okay. of, you know, exercising their rights. Uh, Laura Harman, thank you for joining us uh, today. They do become a creditor of uh, that company if it's been liquidated, but again, if there's nothing in it, um, they might get nothing at all. We're looking at epilepsy next, and we're going to remind you that you could be in a position to send somebody a lovely bunch of flowers for Valentine's Day, and quite simply what you have to do, and I'm going to give you a last chance to do it, uh, quite simply what you have to do is tell us who means the world to you, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, brother, sister, doesn't matter who it is, neighbour down the road that looks after you. So what you have to do is text the word love plus your name and the name of the person that means the world to you. But also I want to know, I want to know, I demand to know uh, why they mean the world to you in the nicest possible way. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. A very good morning to you. Welcome into today's uh, programme. Now, Yvonne Joyce from Renmore joins me and uh, Paddy McGagan, Advocacy and uh, Communications Manager with Epilepsy Ireland because we're looking at Secure First Aid is coming to the fore on International Epilepsy Day. Uh, Paddy, good morning to you. Good morning, Paddy. Good 
Good morning, Keith, and nice morning, Yvonne. And Yvonne sits opposite me today. Yvonne, I better bring you up there, Yvonne, give you a voice in all of this. Um, we were just talking off air here, Paddy, because I know, I know a bit about epilepsy. Um, but it really is an education um, We're at, an education process we're going through this morning here. Of course, yeah. And, um, you know, as part of our new campaign today, we're highlighting um, how seizure first aid doesn't actually make up um, people's general knowledge. And what we're appealing to the public today is is essentially that needs to change. There's over 45,000 people living with epilepsy in Ireland. I think we estimate just under 3,000 in Galway alone. Um, so what we're saying is you might witness a seizure at any point in your life. So it's really, really important that people know how to respond correctly. Um, and remember our key words of time, safe and stay. Yvonne, um, tell me your story. Um, you've had epilepsy for how long? 15 years. 15. Yeah. yeah, so I was diagnosed in 2008. Uh, I was in school one day in maths class and I had a seizure, I had a tonic-clonic seizure. So that's the seizure everyone would think of that comes to mind. So I go unconscious, you know, when I started shaking. Frightening. Yeah, very, it was very frightening. For you, no, very. Yeah. Um, and then I was in hospital then for a few days and they diagnosed me with epilepsy. Now, I had no idea of anything to do with epilepsy. Mm. So um, I Googled all about it and then I realized that I was actually having another type of seizure and I had been having that since about primary school. I have absence seizures as well. So you, you glaze over. I glaze over. So it could be just a split, like it could even just be a second. Yeah. So I'll just c completely forget what the person had said to me. Or when I'm talking, I'll cut off mid-sentence -sent and have to be asked again what I was talking about. And then you can, can you remember? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, so yeah. if it's only been a split second, I can kind of come back to it. But if it's like five seconds, I, I won't, mm. yeah. So, Paddy, I mean, I've, I've witnessed um, epilepsy and I've also witnessed stupidity when it comes to epilepsy. And I came across one a few months ago in Dublin where obviously there was a man having um, an epileptic episode. Uh, I refer to them as episodes. I don't know whether that's yeah. a right word or not, Yvonne or Paddy. Um, but people just walked by him and left him. They, they yeah. actually, they, they thought, I think some people thought he was drunk. Now I got down and I asked, was he okay? And then he showed me something and I could make a phone call. And then it, and it was to one of his family. Um, but don't walk away. Of course not, no. And like, you know, uh, that's one of the big myths you've just touched upon there, um, uh, Keith, is, is people confusing people to be drunk or, or on something else. Um, it's a huge myth, particularly around the 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 uh, seizures that Yvonne mentioned where, where people um, go go blank and in terms of like be staring vacantly. Um, that It's a huge misconception out there and I suppose we want people to take that extra second to, to you know, ask themselves, is this person okay? Are they having a seizure? And that's why it's so, so important to learn more today on International Epilepsy Day and the key responses. Obviously, you responded there, but, you know, that, that the proof is in the pudding there about people not knowing how to respond to a seizure given the amount of people walk past. And, you know, it's really upsetting to hear that and, and we need that to change. I responded because I know about, you know, I know a little bit about epilepsy, not not a huge amount, not like Yvonne or yourself or otherwise. Um, but again, I just didn't want to leave this person on the ground. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course, and and like you know, the, the majority of like the the majority of people do want to help. Um, 
you know, like that, I would I would hope that experience that you've outlined is 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 an outlier, I suppose, of people walking past. But and the majority of people do want to help, as I say. But it's so important that they help correctly, uh, and that's why time, safe, and stay is so important because it is the key responses and the correct responses to a seizure. Timing the seizure, keeping the person safe, and staying with them. I suppose that's why we want to make it general knowledge so that people won't walk by and will know exactly what to do. When you say timing them. Uh, Yvonne, can I ask you, I mean, does that make sense to you, timing them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if a seizure gets to five minutes, that's when you need to call an ambulance. So before that, you know, you wouldn't need to, really. And would your, would your episodes um, last five minutes? Uh, I have. It's been in that case before, but um, the last seizure I had recently was three minutes. Still a long time. It's still a long time, yeah. I can't still frightening for those. Was there anybody with you? Yeah, so I was actually in work and I knew something was wrong. As in, I was continuously having absence seizures. That's when I know. So you knew the build-up was coming. I knew the build-up was coming. So I got my friends to collect me and they put me down on the couch and they stayed with me the whole day. And then I had I had two 30-second seizures and then eventually I went into a three-minute one, and they stayed with me. God love, well, God bless them, but God love I, you. I honestly can say I have the best support. My family and my friends, you know, they all learned what to do, and you know, they'll always stay with me. Mm. Um, Paddy, can I come back to so timing, keeping them safe and staying with yeah. them? But I mean. From an epilepsy point of view, forgive my crudeness, but it's the electrics in the head that are having a little bit of a session. Exactly, yeah, and I suppose at, um, at you know the the medical definition of epilepsy is the the tendency to have repeated seizures in the brain. So I suppose that that kind of didn't mean a whole lot the the first time I heard it as well. But you know, a good way of thinking about it is to think about a computer crashing, um, Keith. Mm. So like before a computer crashes, it might start behaving slightly differently. All of a sudden, the screen might go go blank, or the, the laptop shuts down, or whatever it may be. But usually, after a couple of minutes. Um, you know, you restart, you reboot, and with time, care, and attention, you get things back up to normal. You know, you get your word documents open, everything back to normal. That's a good a way of putting it. I suppose that's exactly apply how that to I the used brain to tell people that. That's so funny. Really? Always, I say it, it's like a computer shuts down and then boot, reboots, comes back on. It's a lovely way. I've never heard that, yeah. Patty. It's a lovely way. Sorry to cut across you. It's yeah, a lovely so way like of it's, saying it's it. It's a good way of picturing it, and I suppose it's, um, yeah. you know, you, you apply the, the different the different parts of the computer crashing, you you know, that's what's going on before, during and after a seizure in a person's brain. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a good way, I suppose, for the public to, to picture it. And I suppose it's, it's one of our go-to analogies, I suppose, to try and try and uh, increase understanding yeah. of epilepsy when we're, you know, in, out in the community talking about it. Well, obviously it doesn't all go well for me because my computer's kicking up me today, my laptop, and yeah. the screen doesn't want to talk to me early this morning. So uh, I'd be leaving it to one side. I don't want to... Have anything got to do with it for the rest of the day? Is there briefly on this one, Paddy? Is there any way that this can be brought into the classroom so that the younger younger people can recognise this and take it with them through primary school, secondary school, into college, and into life? So certainly, um, one one thing we we did last year is um, there was a public consultation on on initial teacher training, and our whole key point was that you know teachers in particular needed to, to needed to know the signs of seizures at the point of training rather than coming to us after a child is diagnosed because given yeah. the given the 
you know, prevalence of epilepsy, it's, it's very likely that, you know, uh, a teacher would have to support a child with epilepsy um, throughout through, throughout their careers. So we want to make it a bit more okay. I suppose, part of the curricula, curriculum but from a teacher's point of view. Then in terms of, I suppose, engaging with, with children and, and classrooms directly, um, certainly that's, that's kind of part of our service okay. anyway in terms of actually going reaching out to schools. Um, working with with them in terms of helping supporting children in the classroom with epilepsy, so it is bits and pieces that we, we do anyway. Um, but certainly, okay. we want to do it much much more. But we would like it to be officially part as well, of course. Yeah, Paddy McGigan, advocacy and communications about epilepsy Ireland. Thanks for joining us, Yvonne. Just to you, you mind yourself, and you have good friends, which is most important. Yes, definitely. And yeah. I think you're a great advocate, and you should speak more about epilepsy because. I think you need to lift the lid on it. Yeah. That it's a normal thing. Yes, like exactly. if you get a sprain in your foot, or you get it's it's just the it's the wiring in your head that goes a little sparky. Yeah. <laughs> but only good people have epilepsy. I can tell you that yeah. much. Good people have epilepsy. <laughs> Yvonne, thanks for joining us uh, today, Paddy. Thank you for joining us. Further details can be had on this conversation and otherwise on International Epilepsy Day by going to Epilepsy Ireland's website and getting further details from there. Educate yourself on those three words, time, safe and stay, and uh, just uh, do that from there. Now let's head towards the Galway BFM news desk at 10 o'clock. Uh, stay tuned for that. And yet to come on the programme, we're looking at a fishing scheme, as uh, not with the fishing rod. We're talking about people trying to take money out of your accounts, that and more, uh, between now and the end of today's programme. Good morning to you. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you.